So how do you feel? Do you feel like maybe you want to buy some Microsoft products or? Yeah. I mean, every time my arm kind of twinges with a little bit of soreness, I think. (laughs) Bill Gates did this. Yeah. Why not? Why not serve the deep state? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listeners, we got our first dose of the vaccine today. Yeah. We're going to get some more later. Yes. We'll get some part two. Part two. That one's going to make us gay, right? Or me gay or you Or gay. reptilian or something. Or mm, better, tastier food for the reptilians, maybe. Oh, okay. It'll like pump up our blood. It's hard to keep track of all this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Increase yeah. our adrenochrome levels. Oh, thank God. Probably. I've been worried about this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Conspiracy aside, I'm very glad we got our vaccines. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. It's, it's yeah, and it's such, just such a shit show as far as trying to get to it. You know, like, I oh, mean, yeah. we're, we got ours far away from where we are. Yeah. And geographically, like, and people are having to go all over the place. It's ridiculous. It's insane. Just so. what the fuck. Yup. All right. What are we learning about today? I, I know the answer to this. I always know the answer to this, but I like to ask out of courtesy. You're asking on behalf of the listeners, there right? There we go. Yes. I am their uh, vessel. You're their vessel, their power of attorney. We're going to continue our previous lesson on Mao Zedong. Hell yeah. Part two. Yeah. Uh, part two. So just a recap of part one. Do you want to summarize for the class what we <laughs> oh, learned no. last time? Okay. Yeah. Let me put my phone away. Let me put my my note to my crush away. <laughs> Except I'm here at our parents' house. So I guess my crush would be the dog. Yeah. He's really cute. Aww. Um. Okay. Last time on Mao. this is a high production netflix show now it could be pretty good like it's just called mal too yeah that's that's prestige tv for sure all right last time on mal uh i mean he was born and he went to school a bunch and like kind of dicked around didn't know what he wanted to do and Mm -hmm. then he found some communism he went to school in this like super leftist like zone for some reason and he started getting involved in the party. He started organizing, like, different groups of people and, like, starting a magazine, the huge. Mm-hmm. And then there was lots of wars. <laughs> lots of war, yeah. There was, like, the Chinese Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Japanese War. And then they went back to the Civil War. And throughout that, Mao, like, organized peasants and stuff. That was his deal. Yeah. And at the end of the Civil War, he came out on top. Yeah. Uh, good job. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the TLDR of part one of Hell this yeah. series. <laughs> we'll pick up there where we left off. So at the end, we had the Communist Party of China and Mao Zedong as its uh, leader. Kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, they uh, that'd be took the power. end of the first season. Oh, season finale! They win the civil war, and he declares it's October first, nineteen forty-nine. That Chairman Mao Zedong formally proclaims the founding of the People's Republic of China Dope. at Tiananmen Square in Beijing. Cool. And that, yeah, that's the season finale from last time. Uh, he and the party start then to try to radically change what society is going to do. Real quick. Yeah. China today, is it still called People's Republic? Mm-hmm. Okay. So mainland China is still called the People's Republic of China. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have then the island of Taiwan, which is called in their terms the republic of china but china like the people's republic says no that's part of ours Mm. 
Taiwan, for example, says no, the whole thing is part of ours. So they, they both just don't like each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. So, yeah, let's pick up there. Uh, they have to kind of figure out what they're going to do. And we mentioned last time that they're going to use the mass line to do that, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, what do the people want? Let's mm-hmm. do it. So I want to kick things off talking about their efforts for land reform. Oh, that's like always number one, what people do. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it makes sense. It is the most material of material things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's widespread, society-wide, you know. So it starts in 1940, uh, 1946, actually, even before the end of the Civil War. The Communist Party was already doing some land reforms. We mentioned when they set up their communes and stuff that they had started oh, yeah. redistributing the land and stuff, right? Hell yeah. Uh, but it goes into full swing once they take power. Early in 1950, they passed the Agrarian Reform Law. Okay. Classic. Classic yeah. name. <laughs> uh, what does it do? It abolishes the oppressive feudal land ownership system and replaces it with peasant land ownership. Sounds great. Yeah. Basically, they're confiscating the land and the capital that's used there, farm equipment, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever the landlords have. The, and this, as a class, we're, we're talking about people who own this land but don't work it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they turn it over to local peasants' councils. For equitable redistribution. Sounds great. I'm into it. All right. Yeah, it does sound great. Uh, and <laughs> it does have some good aspects to it. But I do want to t- kind of talk about, because this is going to be where the peasants kind of are turned loose against their former oppressors. Oh, that's probably like not a smooth transition, huh? Well, it's not always, no. Uh, but here's like kind of, uh, where what's the landlord situation look like, right? The landlords were 5% of the population. Okay. How much percent of the land do you think they owned? Oh, like 90? Well, not quite that bad. No. Okay, 60. Uh, 40. Okay. But still like a, <laughs> lot, a lot for 5% of the population. Yeah. Right? And in addition, uh, that landlord class in many places, I mean, they ruled over the peasantry like medieval lords. Ugh. I mean, they. Yeah. it was... I read it described as, you know, having... the. The power to, you know, to rob and torture and rape and kill with impunity. Jeez, You know, okay. they have, like, the right of the first night there. Oh, like, Jesus. And they have, you know, their own private armies. You can't mm-hmm. challenge these guys. Not all landlords were this cruel. Hashtag not all landlords. Not, yeah. <laughs> but in general, like okay. this as a class is what you would see as, like, what could the landlords do if they mm-hmm, wanted to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so when the peasants are told by the government, and they're basically told by the government, go, you know, form these councils, take back what is yours, implement mm-hmm. your justice. How does that go? It gets uh, bloody. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like the government is coming in to to help the peasants do this. They just told the peasants to do this? I mean, they helped. So in okay. in the sense of like the peasants would be like, we decided to arrest this guy and throw him in jail. The uh-huh. government would be like, cool. Cool. Good, we're good taking choice. Him. Yeah. Okay, but they didn't supply like weapons or training, or they didn't come in and, and kick out the landlords. Yeah, themselves. it wasn't most. It wasn't mostly driven by the, the. So the government didn't have a whole lot of capabilities at this mm, time. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty, still provisional. Right, and they, they just didn't have had the power to project themselves all the way out into all these places. Okay. So and eventually they do end up sending the army, the People's Liberation Army, mm-hmm. to certain like regions that hadn't really done land reform. They, yeah, they were just like I don't know. We like the way it is. <laughs> Because um, they really hadn't had as as shitty of a situation. Yeah, yeah. So they had to go there and be like, no, dude, this is the law. This, this is, is what the we're way. doing. Okay. So let's take a look. How bloody or whatever How exactly. How bad was right? it? 
I don't want to make this like a communism killed 90 trillion people sort of thing. Like, okay. Even, however, even the Communist Party of China looks at this and says, uh, by their estimate, you're looking at around one to three uh, million people Oof. end up killed in the effort. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, tons more tortured or beaten up. Yeah. Or, or sent to re-education through labor camps, Oof. which are called the Lao Gai. Okay. They're as good as they sound. They They're, sound pretty um, bad. Like a prison system, basically. Okay, got a gulag uh, situation. Yeah, and, you know, you don't want to... Some people go like, oh, well, you know, this is a death camp. This mm-hmm. is... They're trying to exterminate people. You don't want to go to that extreme. But on the other hand, it's a prison and fuck prisons, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, another caveat, I guess, is it's all handled locally. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the peasants' councils. They're the ones kind of implementing this. And like you said, you know, the government will help haul people off and stuff. But it looks different in different parts of the country. Yeah, it wasn't like, I mean, Mao himself wasn't coming in and, and murdering these people. Right, yeah. Uh, and overall, like, the peasant councils would arrest landlords and then uh, publicly, and oftentimes involving violence, denounce them in, like, those struggle sessions that we talked about mm, last time. Yeah. In the Yan'an conference where they where they got together and, and called people out, basically, mm-hmm. and said... Here's the bullshit you're doing. Yeah, you know, but they had that like at the village, at the at the rural mm, level. Okay. And would say, you know, he, they would actually have people come out. They call this the speak bitterness campaign. Ooh. Where uh the sounds peasants messy. would well yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a terrible hashtag on Twitter. Hashtag speak <laughs> bitterness. Oh that's gonna get real catty. Oh, yeah. So the what I mean, okay, so the peasants would come out and confront the landlords mm-hmm. in a public trial. And like you said, it's it's a real emotional affair. Yeah. Uh, people were talking openly about how their oppressors had harmed them, how they'd harmed their families, and they were demanding answers from yeah. the landlords, like, what the fuck? Like, why did you do this? You know, and mm-hmm. they would insult them or beat them if no answer came. Shit, okay. You know? I mean, if some if these landlords were the the first night kind of guys, then yeah, they deserve that. Like, fuck those people. Yeah, that's why it's you know it's important. I guess that's why I wanted to put the context there, not necessarily to justify it, but to understand why people are are so pissed. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's your. I I think it's an important distinction. It's not like just the guy who like makes you pay rent every month today. Mm-hmm. It's a different situation. This guy. Imagine if your landlord also like was your boss and and made you work backbreaking hours and shit like that. Like, fuck that. Yeah. It's a different situation. And took, you know, took your crops, took your furniture if you mm-hmm. didn't like, you know, pay up. And yeah, there's all this, all these levels of abuse that they could inflict. You know, yeah. not all of them did. So looking at the situation, basically the most abusive landlords ended up, get, or the one were the ones who got executed. Okay. Some were just summarily executed. Some were sent off to be executed by the government. Some were sent to the Lao Gai camps. Uh, some were tortured. Some were Oof. banished. They just get the fuck out, you know? Okay. Uh, some were just humiliated. Like, Oof. the only punishment they ended up getting was just, like, they had to go through that. <laughs> Which and would then, suck. But- yeah. And then, like, no longer be a landlord, you know, mm-hmm. be like a regular peasant. Mm-hmm. Some uh, some weren't so bad. And, like I said, they didn't really have this sort of relationship. It was... yeah. You didn't have uh, super rich landlords. It was mm-hmm. mostly just like, yeah, that guy has a little bit more land, but we're all 
broke out here. We're all working. You yeah. Know? Sometimes that happened. And in those cases, you know, there was just maybe the loss of stature. They, they kind of got equalized a little bit, but that yeah, was it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't so bad. So, yeah, overall, probably some terrible landlords, you know, escaped, got off the hook. Mm-hmm. And probably some decent people were unfairly hurt to where they were killed. Yeah. And you said these landlords also had, like, defenses. So they probably, like, fought back against these peasants, I imagine, right? So I'm sure some peasants are in that number. Yes, that's probably true as well. Yeah. I know they, they did have the defense forces. So, yeah. That, yeah. That probably happened to some extent. But, um... I kind of wanted to bring up that we could look at this as kind of a number of different ways. There's different responsible parties, right? There's Mm -hmm. the party. The Communist Party did kind of put the peasants into motion and kind of said, we'll support you. Do the thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll be the ones taking them to jail. We'll be the ones not, you know, trying you for murder. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There are the peasants. They're, you know, fairly brutally taking revenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe Mao for directing the party in that way. Yeah. Uh, there's also the landlords, however, as a class for having abused the people with some, with impunity for so long, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like we're trying to be really careful and say, like, yeah, not all landlords did this. But the fact that they all could have, like, it doesn't really make a difference. Like, thanks for not crushing me, I guess. Like, <laughs> that's, that's shitty. It's a low bar. And I think that for the most part, in the majority cases, the people did take that into account when they... You mm-hmm. do have most people not being killed. Most people were mm-hmm. put into through some other thing, put in jail for a shitty work camp situation, which mm-hmm. also sucked, but not killed or just humiliated or just kicked out of the, you know, most people didn't get their heads lopped off is what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like at that point, I, I wouldn't know what the alternative would be, especially because it was like peasant run. Like you can't just, I mean, it's. It's going to get messy because yeah. they were so brutalized. They're going to want to brutalize back. And like, you yeah. can't expect every peasant to have been trained in like, I don't know, abolitionist theory. So, yeah. What do you think, though? Okay. Because you do have a choice. Mal mm-hmm. has a priority. We talked about this some last time and it'll come up again here. He definitely prioritizes mass mobilization. Mm-hmm. right? Making sure the people are directly hands-on involved, carrying it out themselves. Yeah. I like that. I think it's good, but this is a big drawback to it. Is you got a little mob rule? Yeah. I mean, do you think that the benefits? What's the you know pro con? I guess where does it come out for you? Well, I don't think it's fair to say yet because mm. we've only seen the violent side of it. So it's like okay, to me, it's like the real test is what do you do after? Like, because I mean, I'm not saying ends justify the means necessarily, but like. I, I don't see an alternative. Like, what were they supposed to do? Hold a vote and then just ask the landlord to leave? Like, he's going to be like, no, I'm going to stay here in my big house and you cannot get me out of here. That's true. So you would say if they don't have the resources to do it a different way, then this is really... Because you could say, what if we just do it through the government and say, this is the law. You know, mm-hmm. if you have this much land, you give it up and then you'll be humanely like... Treated. Yeah. You'll either be made, you know, just... You, you are now a regular farmer, or if you don't like that, we can throw you in jail. But I think that would have been ideal, but I think given the context of they were like still finishing up that other war, like they shouldn't have the power for it. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I'm uh, not like totally justifying it. Like, yeah, against death generally, but like, I understand how they came to that given the context. Ideally, yeah, I would want them to like support the peasants more directly and like 
maybe like the peasants run kind of what happens, but with some limitations. Like, yeah, we're like, okay, okay. no murders. <laughs> right. And ideally, no jails. Yeah. But, but like, you can choose. You decide, yeah, yeah, you can choose whether or not, like, do they get to stay in the community and work as a peasant? Do you want to relocate them somewhere? Because, like, that's probably really hard. Yeah, some of to, these like, guys are assholes. Yeah. 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 Like, do you want them just to move to another place and start over? You know, like, like there could be different degrees of what you want to do to this guy. I like that. Yeah. Because I think you're right. We should we should look at it and say, this is what they were actually capable of. So mm-hmm. they had to, you know, fine. But also, I guess it's important to try to draw lessons for if what if we were in a different situation, you know, if we could do it differently, how would we? Yeah. All right. As for the so, like we said, it's kind of messy there. But as for the land results, you know, like, okay, how did that how'd it go? How did that go? It's a massive success in in terms of equalizing things. Uh, There's a comparison that I want to look at between 1950 and 1954, 1950 being when they initialized the law. So Mm, what was it before versus what was it after? All right. Before you're looking at poor farmers, 52% of the population, 14% of the land. All right. After poor farmers, 52% of the population, 47% of the land. Holy cow. That's really good. Yeah. Middle farmers, 33% before of the population, 30% of the land. Then after 39% of the population, 44% of the land. Nice. Meanwhile, on the other, rich farmers are 4% of the population before Mm -hmm. and 13% of the land. Okay. Afterward, they are 5% of the population. These are rough, like decimals there. (laughs) But, uh, and 6% of the land. Wow, that's like very equitable. And then when you get to the landlord class. Hell yeah. They were 4.75, so 5% basically of the population and nearly 38% of the land, right? And now after, they are down to 2% of the population. (laughs) killed a few. (laughs) And... 2% 2% of the land. Wow. So if you're talking, did this make society more equal? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, I'm trying to make sure I understand this. When you're talking about percent of the land, are you talking about like all farmable land or just the whole? Okay, farmable. All farmable, yes. Okay, because I'm like, damn, their whole country's a farm. <laughs> they just gave like, yeah, they just gave peasants mountains. <laughs> Here, you, Here go. you go. Good luck. I've got so much land. <laughs> Furthermore, this seems to have been effective as a mass mobilization campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big goal of Mao's, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, it seems like it's successful in terms of winning peasants over to the Communist Party. These are the guys who, before they were in power, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. I was abused. Now I have land and my abuser was driven from his refuge. I mean, you that's know? pretty dope. Yeah, like they are taking an active role. They are making revolutionary change in society by their own hands. Like we said, however bloodily that may have <laughs> come about, they still like. And results are very good. For them, yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's honestly just very good in terms of the equity and in terms of redistributing. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, even if you look at the American farm system today, there's no way we're even close to that number. It's like 90% Monsanto, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't so. know the actual numbers. That is a made-up number, but still. <laughs> There's, like, no small farmers left. It's, yeah, it's it's bad, for sure. I think this is going, we'll see this uh, a few more times. This mass mobilization always kind of has this double-edged 
quality to it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be messy, but it's going to involve people. So I don't know. I think that's a tension, I guess. Yeah. I think you have a lot of people who are really obsessed with rule of law. And it's yeah. like, well, the rule of law currently, like, enslaves these people. So, like, that's not good either. You think we're maybe, we're kind of corrupted by that sort of bourgeois, res- like, respect, reverence for the rule of law. And so, like, we get squeamish more easily. I don't know if I'm, it's not the law part I care about. It's, it's just the straight murder that I care about. I don't care if you break a law property-wise. Like, fuck that. Like, True, yeah. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> my my big line I try not to cross, and it's pretty easy. Don't kill folks? <laughs> is don't kill folks. Okay, yeah. But I'm not a revolutionary peasant. So, I don't True. Know. We don't know what we would be like in that situation. Uh, what else? There are plenty of other domestic policies in this kind of early mm-hmm. period of the People's Republic of China. Uh, and each one of them kind of tries to follow Mao's tactic of let's revolutionize society in in terms of changing things, but let's also mobilize the masses while we do it. Okay. So, those are his kind of twin goals. So, in 1950, he starts the... The Campaign to Suppress Counter-Revolutionaries. Oh, that doesn't sound like a, a fun one. It, yeah, it's, so it's just like it sounds. It's a campaign <laughs> targeted at people suspected of being either former Kuomintang, uh, the, the Nationalist Party, mm-hmm. or their allies, or just plain right-wingers. Wow. Uh, suppress them, basically. Wow. By the way, I looked up the spelling of Kuomintang last week, and I was like, that is not even close to how I thought it would be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that happens <laughs> quite a bit here. Overall, this ends up a similar kind of MO to the Yunnan and the land reform struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the masses go out. They accuse people of being reactionaries or being collaborators. That guy worked with the KMT government, whatever, right? Okay. Uh, puts them, put them on public trials. Okay. Uh, that whole process. Yeah. Mal here does something a little different that I kind of want your view on. <laughs> Uh, he sets quotas. Okay. So he says kind of like, uh, we're, this campaign, we're really rolling this out really slowly. A city like Shanghai should be something like, you know, maybe 0.1% of them. Maybe, oh, he, he says kind of like 1% of them maybe might be actually like counter-revolutionaries. Mm. Just kind of sets a percent and says that's probably, you know, about that many people. Uh, you know, we're probably going to need to execute like 0.1% of the people there. What? If you're going to like get rid of these counter-revolutionaries, scare the rest into not doing anything. Wow. He mentions these in like different meetings and stuff and kind of says, let's stay on track, guys. And make sure you're killing enough people. Oh, that sucks. It's kind of, yeah, that's kind of crazy. I don't, uh, that's probably not the way. No. That you should be handling it. <laughs> I don't think it is. That's. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to make that my strike three, because that one's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you're not going to reset his strike count for the epi- second episode? <sighs> fine, fine. You can, uh, you can do it either way. <laughs> I, I will I will count it as strike one for this part. For this part, okay. okay. Um, that sucks. I don't like it. There's no scientific basis for why it would be 1%. <laughs> he just threw a number out there and was like, let's kill this many. And... Why do you have to kill them? Why can't you just be like, okay, we're going to put you somewhere else for a while while people take your shit and then you can go out and, and be a worker. So they did kind of oscillate on that. Sometimes they would they would really publicize the executions and be mm. like, we're going to execute these people. Come out and see. It'll be great. You know, see all the bad, the, the, the bad guys get killed. Right. Okay. And then sometimes they would be like, I don't know, man, people probably think we're overreacting. Like, maybe we should cut back and still kill them. But like, don't announce it so much, you know? <laughs> 
Uh, so bad. And then they were like, no, 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 it's good for morale. They kind of, oh they kind of go back and forth on that. Uh, but it does happen. According to the Communist Party's official figures, around 2.6 million people are arrested in the campaign. That's a lot. And around 1.3 million people are imprisoned. Okay. Uh, and 712,000 people were executed. That's a lot. This is the official tally. So there's probably a few more. They're, yeah, I would guess that they're the lower end of estimates. Probably. I don't know necessarily. It I'm could sure, be right. Yeah, but. I'm sure the other side estimates are like insane. So. Oh yeah, and I yeah. yeah I there's a thing called the Black Book of Communism. Okay. And if you're sitting here listening, a first time listener maybe or whatever. You may be in this episode, in the previous episode, all of this stuff is way lower than I've heard before. Mm-hmm. The source of Black Book of Communism is pretty much 100% made up. <laughs> uh, but that's where you usually get stuff that's like, oh, the Soviets killed, you know, 100 billion people, mm-hmm. uh, all this stuff. Uh, it's not, uh, they do extrapolate from sources. I don't want to say it's a complete fairy tale. Yeah. But it's just not reliable. Yeah. So. There's a lot of things out there debunking the Black Book of Communism. Okay. So that sounds like a good app. That's one we, yeah, that's one we avoid as far as like, when I tell you about higher end estimates, I don't bother with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just no need. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I guess I just don't see the need for it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like rich people, they would really hate having their stuff taken away. I feel like that's a spiritual death and that's enough for them. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, I don't see why we need to go all the way. Just be like, my entire you don't worth get as this. a human is gone. Yeah. It's just like, you don't get this anymore. We're going to, yeah, you are now a peasant. Like, fucking deal with it. You have to work like everybody else. You're going to see how the other half fucking lives. And you're going to realize you didn't earn any of this. From Prada to Nada. Yeah. And even just like, fuck it. We can keep them in the same community and let them do some social shaming. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But this is, this is the tactic that they used. It's not a good one. I'm not into it. <laughs> Uh, later in 1955 and 1957, they'll kind of repeat this campaign, but they're looking for hidden counter-revolutionaries Ooh. within the party. Oh, God. In no. The, in the Sufan movement. It's sim- I mean, it's similar. I don't, I'm not going to go into detail on that one, but it's the same thing, smaller scale, within the party. What do we call it? I was kind of talking. The Sufan movement. Okay, great. Then let's see what else they got. In 1951 and 1952, there's the campaigns called the Three Anti and Five Anti campaigns. All right. Why wouldn't they just say it's the Eight Anti? Well, because in 1951 is the Three Anti campaign. Oh, 1952 okay. 1952 is the Five Anti. <laughs> they were done. It's like part one and part two. Yeah. Okay. Um, mass mobilization. This is targeted, however, political corruption and the capitalist class. This one's interesting. The three antis were corruption, waste, and bureaucracy. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm against those. Said basically, the campaign was, fuck those three things, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, good governance. Yeah. The five antis were bribery, theft of state property, tax evasion, cheating on government contracts, and stealing state economic intelligence. Yeah, those are all so, bad things to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't be a corrupt capitalist. <laughs> that right? sounds good. All right. So the party sent out people to spy on businesses uh, they have parades of anti-capitalist activists going door to door to harass big business owners. <laughs> uh, neighborhoods set up complaint boxes for employees <gasps> of, of places to be like, hey, talk shit about your boss. That sounds they great. want to know what bullshit your boss is trying to do. <laughs> Businesses start proactively like confessing to things like, hey, we like, you know, embezzle this much money. We like did this. We did that. Please uh, have leniency on us. Wow. Can you imagine? That's juicy. I like this one. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, we got Jeff Bezos freaking begging to 
hold on to scraps of his company. That would be amazing. Oh, my God. He's like, please, I'll cut down by 90%. Just let me hold on to some of it, you know? That's very good. Uh, and, of course, they they do also have the big public trials. They have humiliations, you know, forced confessions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They back this up with some physical attacks. Oof. And you do end up imprisoning people and, in some cases, executing people. Oof. Uh, which, it doesn't seem like you need to execute people for, like, corruption. Yeah, so, yeah, you could just be like, hey, don't, we're going to you take your shit away. Yeah, you no longer have any money. You're yeah. in jail for a while if you want, like, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But We're going to call weenies for this episode so bad. Yeah, the tankies are coming out in force. Sorry, And y'all. we may deserve it. Like, uh, you know, maybe years down the road, we look back on this and be like, that's when we were little liberals. Dude. But <laughs> on the other yeah. hand, maybe we're just avoiding abuses. People can grow and change. You know, I'm not going to hold the same opinions forever, and that's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is unclear how, ever, how many people died in these campaigns. I okay. don't really know. I couldn't find a good estimate anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. someone has one out there. Uh, but people also end up, this is kind of the downside of the shaming part of it, is that people do end up committing suicide. Oh, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, what else do they do? Ah, there was a period in 1956 and 1957 called the Hundred Flowers Campaign. See, this sounds good. Yeah, this is sounds it great. Uh, it's kind of interesting because... It's where Mao and the party kind of, they ease up a little bit. They say, well, we're really putting the pressure on people. And so they encourage the citizens to kind of openly criticize what they've been doing. Oh. You know, what could we be doing better? Okay. Uh, The quote is, as Mao put it, the policy of letting a hundred flowers bloom and a hundred schools of thought contend is designed to promote the flourishing of the arts and the progress of science. Okay. I mean... I don't super get what that has to do with it, but okay. So he's kind of like saying, tell us what we could do better. Tell us what do you think is a better idea to move society forward? Like, mm, are okay. we killing too many people? Are we <laughs> not like, killing enough people? Like, what do you want us to do? You know, like, are yeah. we? how are we fucking up? Wouldn't people be scared to say anything given there's been like 10 years of like purges and shit? Well, the 10 years of purges thus far have been targeted at landlords and against capitalists. And okay. you do have like the party purges too but they yeah. haven't really targeted the citizens with anything okay. besides if they were openly counter-revolutionary or something or yeah. right wing right yeah but if you're just saying hey like i'm a communist but i think we could be doing it this way okay they haven't really targeted you yet interesting okay yet yeah that part worries me so this is <laughs> followed up by the anti-rightist campaign because during the hundred flowers campaign tons of people come out and they say hey yeah, that this was thing here was fucked up. <laughs> this thing here was fucked up. We should have this. We should have that. Uh-huh. We should be doing this. Mal, do you even know what you're doing, dude? Uh-huh. Like, what do you, you know, like, what's going on? Okay. You know, tons of complaints start piling in. And okay. Mal seems to just basically be surprised by this. <gasps> He's like, I thought you guys were going to criticize the guys who are criticizing me. Oh, like, no. My opponents in the party, not really me. And he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he takes it that well. Now, I don't know. It could be that Mal just uh, changes course for mm-hmm. some other reason, or he could have people say, and these are generally kind of more critical voices, they say like, well, Mal already had this planned, but it's called the anti-rightist campaign. Okay. 1957 to 1959, which cracks down on people who criticize the regime. Damn it. So, okay. Who saw that one coming? Right. Yeah. Uh you know, they round people up, same thing as they Fuck. have okay. been doing. And that's, yeah, that people say, oh, he had a plan all along. Or mm-hmm. shit, he was just surprised and was like, damn, well, never mind. You know? <laughs> I could fix these things or get rid of the people who want me to fix these things. <laughs> yeah. 
That's bad. So yeah, I don't I don't really I don't see the need for that. There's perhaps the argument that maybe elements of the that they were rounding up were like dangerous or were really going to take things down. But who probably not. I, yeah, I express doubts. Yeah, that one sucks. This is strike two for the app. <laughs> if you're counting, that's four overall. Or overall, man. All right. Well, I'm shifting gears a little bit to the foreign policy front. Okay. What was Mao up to in terms of dealing with other nations? So in 1950, October, China gets involved in the Korean War. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that one. It is commonly referred to as the Forgotten War in America. So that makes sense. Okay. (laughs) China ends up sending lots of troops to back up North Korea. Okay. Uh, who was fighting South Korea in the mm-hmm, Korean War. Mm-hmm. They had been partitioned in half, uh, and then North Korea ends up taking over most of the country, then South Korea ends up almost taking over most of the North, and then China floods in and battles to a stalemate. Okay. That's the short version of the Korean War. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but uh, now least, I know. <laughs> at least 180,000 Chinese troops die in the war. Uh, the justification for this is protecting their socialist neighbor from American-backed imperialism. Yeah, I mean, I get it. We haven't done anything in terms of talking about North Korea. Yeah. We yeah. don't really know. I don't really know. There's very conflicting information out there Yeah, about it. So that would be an interesting thing, I think, to explore in the future. But at the time, anyway, they were very much like allies. China kind of looked at them as more of a younger sibling sort of mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. you know. And they themselves were looked on as a younger sibling to the Soviet Union. Ah, okay. They had an uneasy alliance uh, for a while, mm-hmm. leading up to 1956. the The situation was that China needed their needed the help of the Soviets for like economic support. You know, yeah, we're broke. We're just starting out. Please help. Yes, <laughs> and um, Mao, however, was still kind of wary of becoming too like. The Soviet government. He already was mm. kind of criticizing what he saw as their shortcomings. Okay, well, we're their shortcomings. So, from his point of view, and thereby kind of the party's point of view, most most people in the party were on this line that the Soviet government was too bureaucratic. Mm, okay. So they saw things almost kind of like Trotsky's criticism of the Soviet Union having this separate uh, bureaucratic class. Yeah, I was going to say because there's just so mass. People was the word mass movement focused Mm -hmm. that, yeah, they would probably see the Soviets as this very secretive and like not for the people kind of thing. Yeah, they saw the Vanguard Party as having become this professional Mm -hmm. uh, class of just bureaucrats, technocrats, you know, Mm -hmm. administering the people but not listening to them. Two separate. Yeah, yeah, they're not part of it. He also criticized them. As having imperialistic tendencies toward their, like, satellite states and neighboring states and stuff like that. Okay, okay. He said they're always trying to boss, you know, Eastern Europe and everything. They're throwing their weight around. Yeah. They think they're the big kids in the playground, and we don't have to listen to them. Okay. That's what he was thinking. But also give us money. But also give us money. (laughs) Uh, And there was overall also a rivalry on the world stage. So not necessarily, like, we don't think you should bully anyone no one should bully, but like we, <laughs> we want would like kind to of bully. a slice too. Not, I don't think to bully, but to also have influence, right? Yeah, to spread yeah. their brand of how they think communism should really be done. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, that's kind of the good spin. I, I do like to, in history, it's interesting to look at people as through their own protagonistic lens. Like, what were they oh, trying yeah. to accomplish? You know, absolutely. So anyway, so in 1956, we said that's when the alliance lasts till. 
because that's when China and the Soviet Union become no longer friends. Oh, is this the, the Sino split? Yeah, this is the Sino-Soviet split. There we go. Mao and China decide that uh, since the death of Stalin and his replacement by Nikita Khrushchev, mm-hmm. the Soviets were now a bunch of revisionist losers. Whoops. Because Khrushchev went out there and took a big shit on Stalin. <laughs> on his grave, he was just like, Stalin, asshole, he did all this, he did all that. <laughs> I mean, and Stalin did suck. Stalin did a lot of terrible things, mm-hmm. you know? And Khrushchev just takes that and says, Stalin was the worst, everything that was wrong. Stalin did it. We're going to not do that anymore. And he kind of opens up society a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and kind of liberalizes things a little bit. Turns things more to a... Not a market economy. It's still a command economy, but more like consumer stuff. Okay. I don't like that part, but I like shitting on Stalin. Yeah. Well, from China's point of view, though, mm-hmm. Stalin was dope. Oh. They yeah, they probably would have liked that. They like they saw him. A lot of well, and shit. Yeah. But he defeated the Nazis. Yeah. And his five-year plans had really taken a feudal backwater to a... An industrialized state. Yeah. Had rapid, rapid progress in terms of that, in terms of education, mm-hmm. in terms of a lot of things. And they were like, this is a real rapid transformation of people. Broke a few eggs, but yeah. this is what happened. Yeah. Uh, so for their point of view, they're looking at Khrushchev as, you know, pissing on the great comrade Stalin, you mm-hmm. know, and abandoning the real Marxism-Leninism and, and going to this maybe bullshit version. Interesting. I like how, as the movie took a dark turn, the the rain is here to back <laughs> us up. <laughs> yeah, so they, they they have a breakup. The Sino-Soviet split. Now in China, they say, Soviets, they're a bunch of losers now. Soon thereafter, the Soviets end up pulling a lot of their advisors. They had, like, advisors, Ooh, technical dudes and okay. stuff. And they're like... Well, fuck you. We're out. Yeah. You know? Oh, shit. They remove okay. a lot of their help. They don't remove 100% of it because they don't want to be like, screw you guys completely. Because mm-hmm. we still want communism to work. Right. They're basically, they know they're on the same side overall. It's yeah. just. Typical leftist fighting. Right. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> please, you know, come back, you know. It's in 1958 that Mao launches something called the Great Leap Forward. Okay. I've heard about this. I don't know what it is, but. All right. So technically, it's the second one of China's five-year plans. Okay. The Soviet Union did this thing, too. Stalin Mm -hmm. and and other leaders, they had five-year plans. It's a planned economy. Marxist-Leninist states do this. uh, Communist states do this because it's you you have to, with with owning the means of production, you have to plan out what the fuck you're going to do. Yeah, because normally that's determined by capitalists who just want money, and it's not actually providing for people. Right, and it's it's cool. done, you know, how they confusingly said in the Engels' work, uh, the anarchy of production. Yeah, just yeah. doing it randomly. They had to plan it. So the first five-year plan in China had been a qualified success. It mm-hmm. basically uh, hadn't grown agriculture by as much as they had hoped, but they made big advancements overall in terms of production of stuff. Okay. All right. The Great Leap Forward was supposed to really jumpstart the economy. Yeah. All right. Catch it up to the West, catch it up to the Soviets, uh, dramatically transform it into a real global powerhouse. Is this the one that had like some sick ass propaganda posters? Probably. Uh, Chinese propaganda looks really cool, uh, at least at that time. Maybe it 
It probably doesn't anymore because it's all retro looking. What I've oh, seen. I love that shit. Ooh, I mean, these aren't the ones I'm thinking of, but they look good. I bet pre 1956 is where you have the really gay. Uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. That one's awesome, and that's I think when they're still working with the Soviets. Yeah. You have the Russian guy and the Chinese guy in there. They're just so cute. They're adorable. I love them. So, Great Leap Forward, it's, you know, about the economy, but it's also a program inspired by Mao. So, it has a big ideological component. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what that is? Um, I mean, probably mass line shit, right? Mass line, mass mobilization. Too, Hell right? yeah. Everybody, get in on this, right? Inspire the people, take an active role, build this new future for yourselves. Take the Great Leap Forward together, right? Sounds good. All right. Uh, the flip side, of course, of the ideological encouragement is... You should do this, right? Or else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Uh, The same punishments are kind of doled out to people who resist or questioned or are not that enthusiastic about it. Mm. They face, you know, consequences. That's rough. That are not good. All right. But how does it work overall? Just assess the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, The government makes a huge push to catch up with the West and everything. Changes all across the board. So in agriculture, this means collectivization. Okay. And higher quotas to make people produce more. So we're going to own the land all together instead of privately, and you're going to produce uh, this much. So the problem here is that most land had already been redistributed fairly equally. We looked yeah. at that. And now peasants, like three years later, are kind of feeling betrayed a little bit yeah. because they're like, shit, I just got this land. All of a sudden, they've banned private food production and put <gasps> me on a collective people's commune. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it was a it was a quick turnaround for them, and I, the sources I've seen said that that was rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I think they would need more time to have it for themselves, and then you could introduce it. I don't know. I don't know how you would make that transition, but the communes were technically voluntary. The problem was that they would take you to a meeting, and then you would be at that meeting until you volunteered to join the commune. Okay, yeah, so it wasn't that not voluntary. voluntary at all. Yeah, I don't know how you would actually make that transition, but, like, there's got to be a better way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think later, well, we'll get to this later, uh, the, how they kind of looked at the m- mistakes that were made along the way. Okay. Uh, but the people's communes sound kind of cool, and they do have some good aspects. I mean, I love a commune. You know that. <laughs> you have uh, communal kitchens. You have a democratic workplace. Uh, but you you know you do have some major downsides at least especially i'm thinking for me or a fellow introvert would be like <laughs> okay i don't have a private kitchen for one like i can't just oh. cook for myself oh yeah like uh those are banned i mean they take like your cookware and shit wow. and they're like this is for the commune dude you don't need this wow you know? uh super do you have a super intense work schedule because you're trying to make uh, these quotas there there's mm-hmm. pictures of Communes being out there working by lantern light, like oh that sucks to, to try to to try to get things going. Another big problem: some agricultural reforms that they try to uh, implement, following the teachings of one Trofim Lysenko. Who's that? Who is, he was a Soviet biologist. Okay, uh, and he had some bad ideas. <laughs> okay, uh, he had ideas like cr- close cropping, so planting uh, seeds. Of the same type, green, green, whatever the hell you're planting, green beans or whatnot, real close together. The idea being that plants of the same 
actual the same crop they mm-hmm. won't compete with each other and one will grow and the other one won't and that'll be fine they that doesn't work sound right. i don't I, listen uh-huh. i kill every plant i touch but that doesn't sound right <laughs> there's also deep plowing where you plow it deeper than normal okay. recommended so that it grows a deeper a root vaster root system okay uh is and that one real none of these are real <laughs> shit and this is uh, bad plant tips leaving yeah how <laughs> to how not to grow enough food uh, leaving productive land unplanted to focus most of your effort on the most fertile land. The idea being you use more fertilizer, you put really intense no. into it, and you're going to drive up your yield per acre way higher than if you use the other part. Fuck that. you got to rotate those crops. Uh, so on. this, yeah, none of this works. His theories were bullshit. He ends up getting like driven out of the Soviet Union. Good. Like, that once, sucked. Once they figure out, like, oh, this all fails. Uh, <laughs> They get rid of him and replace him and all the people who are following him, basically. I mean, that's a good example of why, like, the Soviet bureaucrat might not be the best example. If you had, like, if you talk to actual farmers, they'd be like, no, this is when I've had the best year. This is when, this yeah. is how I do. They would, yeah, they would have better, you know, and he was doing research, but he just, like, he apparently just had terrible theories, is what, <laughs> from what I was reading on them. These practices actually end up leading to decreases in agricultural production. This is like the dark ending for Stardew Valley. (laughs) (laughs) You get kicked out of the town. You get kicked out of Pelican Town. Yeah, you you fail and you have to go back to work at Jojo Mart's customer service line or whatever it is, that horrible place. (laughs) Uh, With the skeleton for your coworker. Uh, They also try something called, as part of this agricultural reforms and stuff... One of them is called the Four Pests Campaign. Okay. It was a drive to exterminate rats, flies, mosquitoes, and sparrows. Sparrows, okay. So, you know, rats, flies, mosquitoes, they, they're pests and, and spread disease, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sparrows eat grain and, and fruit, you oh, know, so they okay. can fuck up your crops. Uh, they people, probably eat the mosquitoes, though. Well, people went around and they, they uh, shot sparrows. They made a bunch of noise with pots and pans in the trees so that the sparrows couldn't go to sleep and they couldn't rest and they would die of exhaustion. Oh. Just fall out of the sky. Torturing these birds. And so the locust population boomed because oh, the sparrows ate the locusts. Ugh, called it. Yeah. Uh, and that fucked up the harvest, you know. Yeah. More than the sparrows could have. Yeah. Uh, they had. They ended up. Ironically, having to import a bunch of sparrows from the Soviet Union. To- oh, my God. That's yeah. a bad one. Yeah. Mistake. Mm-hmm. They also- this is part of the Great Leap Forward. Part of the Great Leap Forward, yeah. Not, not a good leap. So far, you're leaping backwards. Well, they uh, also suffer natural disasters, okay. droughts, flooding, those sorts of things. Uh, they were exporting grain as well. To the Soviets to pay for like equipment oh, to industrialize, okay, which was another big part of what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. All right, industry. So how does that go? Mao really tries to be ambitious here, especially steel. He wants to double steel production. Interesting. His idea how to do this, Mao, very decentralized, right? Mm-hmm. Mass participation. All right. So his idea is backyard steel furnaces. Wow. It is a little bit of a misleading name. It's not literally in people's backyards, <laughs> but it is like in every commune. They have okay, a okay. steel furnace. Interesting. Uh, and every neighborhood in, in cities and stuff, each mm-hmm. neighborhood has a steel furnace. 
The idea is that these mini steel furnaces would try to make steel out of scrap metal. Okay. So take your pots and pans, toss them in there, take whatever metal you got, toss it in there, and let's make some steel. Okay. Uh, This fails. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Turns out that uh, you need, you know, higher quality materials. Yeah. To make steel. Uh, And they only end up producing a bunch of pig iron, which is just really low quality metal. Okay. It's not really worth that much. Not worth doing all that for. That sucks. And meanwhile, tons of people are working on these furnaces instead of farming. So you end Mm. up with a ton of food that just rots on the vine because no one's there to pick it. Oh, fuck. And you spent a lot of grain on the equipment. That sucks. On the equipment, on feeding people that are not producing food, but producing Mm -hmm. shitty metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad one. The overall results end up disastrous. There's a massive famine. Shit. Uh, due to the agricultural fuck-ups, due to people being in industry instead of farming. Uh, and also those quotas end up hurting them too. Okay. Because, you know, the quotas, you know, they couldn't be met. The locusts, the planting, all that, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they couldn't be met, nobody wanted to be accused of being like a saboteur. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to be like... Uh, oh, we're, we only produce this much because then they would be like, oh, well, you're hoarding it. Uh, no one wanted to be accused oh. of being lazy or anything like that. So, so they all instead of saying we barely made the quota, which would itself be a lie, they said, we made way more than the quota. <gasps> we made so much. And then, you know, you'd hear about the guy in the, in the neighboring province says, oh, he made this much. Well, I made this much because <sighs> I'm that much better of an administrator. So people were lying about their quotas. Shit. Not a big deal. I mean, you're just like, you know, just tell a little white lie. What could happen? Well, probably if your people are starving, they're not going to send any food to help. Yeah. In fact, since you said, oh, well, we made this much grain. Neat. You know, our quotas are the government quotas were based on the government uh, requisitions, like mm-hmm. how much they're going to take for the cities and stuff. That's based on how much you tell them on a quota. Yeah. So they're going to roll in and say, OK, cool. You grew 150. We're going to take a, you know, we're going to take. 75 of that, oh. and you keep the other 75, when really they only grew 100. Wow. And you're sitting there with, with barely anything to feed your local population. Wow. That's rough. Lots of people end up dying. Yeah. Due to famine. Yeah. It's tough to say, and my true answer is that I just do not know. Okay. Or know if it is knowable. Okay. At this point. But I can talk about like the ranges. Of- yeah, give me that range. At the extreme low end is 11 million, and it's, it's considered an outlier. That is really high for the low end. That's the extreme low end that is, again, considered an outlier. That's from someone who's really trying to defend the regime and saying, like, we shouldn't count as many deaths. because. So wow. and I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I think the other estimates are a little more accurate. Okay. And most respected Estimates by academics range from 23 to 38 million. That is so fucking many people. And that, yeah, that's a ton of people. That's a ton of variation, but I, you know, those are all more of like historians and Mm -hmm. and stuff really diving into it. Uh, And the higher end estimates (laughs) are around 45 to 55 million. I don't think that those are as credible based on what. What else they had to say about it. Right. Uh, Yeah. So sometimes these include people violently killed in resisting the policies, and sometimes mm-hmm. this is just focused on the famine part of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, either way, very bad. The official Communist Party of China estimate um, from Hu Yaobang, which is a communist official, 
uh, was 20 million. Okay. The guy that I think has kind of the best sources on this, and I could be totally wrong, but I was kind of looking into it. He seems mm-hmm. to have the best resources on it. He was a former journalist with, he was a journalist with the Xinhua News Agency. Okay. And uh, his name is Yang Jisheng. Okay. He actually got access to official Communist Party, like, sources and everything. Got to really dive into all that. Uh, so it puts it at 36 million people. Okay. That's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Shit. That's like, what, a tenth of the U.S. population? A little more? Yeah. But they have, you know, they did have a higher population. But what do we... Okay. Here's where I'm coming from on it, I guess, is... I don't... It doesn't... It sounds like a fuck-up. It, this one sounds like a fuck up. I was debating whether or not to give this one a strike. This one sounds like you you done just fucked up. But I will say, some some chickens came home to roost in this because you mm-hmm. have people so scared of the government. They lied on their quotas and made everything way worse. So like, if you'd actually fostered trust between people, yeah, this would not happen. I definitely agree. There, you have to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. 100 Flowers campaign comes back to bite you because last time you asked everyone to be honest. Did not work out for them. So, (laughs) I mean, and even if you assume the best intentions and you say, yeah, you just kind of changed your mind on that. Okay, still, but there's no reason why I'm going to come out here and say, oh, yeah, I failed to get it done. Yeah, yeah. So, I I think it was exacerbated by their previous policies. But yeah, a lot of it was just just plain fuck up and plain bad luck and just lack of knowledge and some like biology stuff. Yeah, I think they probably could have reached out to figure out the <laughs> the shortcomings of that of that uh, researcher beforehand. Uh, got some second opinions there, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't viable. Actually, it could just be over ambition, partially too, like trying to industrialize at the same time. Yeah, that you're the steel to. thing I thought was really stupid. I'm like, y'all can't even feed yourselves. So let's do that first, you know? Well, they yeah, they hadn't. It's it's concurrent. It's happening at the same time, so yeah. they don't know they don't that know. they're not going to get to feed themselves yet. Yeah, but. You are taking, you're, I mean, you are making the choice to take people out of the fields that you know you're going to need to heart. I don't know. It seems shittily thought out. Yeah. I, I think they were maybe so worried about like their presence on the world stage that mm-hmm. they thought that they needed the steel right away. So, yeah. 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 I would have focused more on just basic needs first. And like, yeah, obviously steel is very useful for things like public transit and stuff like that. But like, we got to get food. We got to get food and water first. Those are, those are pretty basic things. Yeah, I think a case of trying to do too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So things are not looking good. Mm-hmm. In 1962, January, the Communist Party holds the 7,000 Cadres Conference. Okay, what's this one? So 7,000 of their members have a meeting. They go and they look at the Great Leap Forward and they try to figure out where did things go wrong? How did this happen? Oh, God. Is there a trap door in the floor, and then, like, half of them are going to be executed. <laughs> it was you! <laughs> uh, at the conference, things are... Tense? Things are tense, but it's this is going to be very interesting based on what we've seen happen so far. And it throws a wrench in our conception of... In the popular conception of Mao, mm-hmm. or really any communist leader gets this derision from the West as... Absolute tyrant, right? Yeah. Because yeah. here's what happens. At the conference, they decided that while maybe 30% of the problems were due to natural disasters... That sounds fair. The other 70% have been them fucking up. Yeah, that's also fair. 
Mal himself has to eat crow. He had to do some old self-criticism. Oh, wow. He had to go up there and say, I did this. Drop the ball, guys. Yeah, I I thought we could do this. I told people. Yeah, He has to admit his mistakes at the party conference. And he ends up having to relinquish power in the party. Like, he still is technically... I think the president of the party itself, but he he is no longer making day-to-day decisions, or really okay. big decisions at all within the party. He has to give the party up to Liu Xiaoqi okay. and Deng Xiaoping. Okay. More so, moderates. So he maybe takes more of a symbolic role? Yeah. He's okay. still kind of the party head. Everyone still loves him. But yeah. Like, he's in a reserve. Yeah, in a reserve role. The moderates are put in, in charge within the party. Okay. Moderate communists, we should say. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not like, I don't even know what that would be in that time period. Well, yeah, why don't we do tax credits instead? <laughs> uh, you know, and especially to the people he was still looked up to as he's, I mean, he's the guy that like freed us from yeah, the war. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of, they call it semi-retirement is okay. how I've seen it described a few times. Okay. Well, I mean, I'd like to be semi-retired. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you think Mal felt about this though? He probably did not like it. I mean, I don't know. Um, I want to like him because he did such cool shit in, in episode one. But, I mean, if you're counting, guys, he's on strike, what, four? So, like, <laughs> and I could have given him another one for some other bullshit. So, like, I don't know. I, I'm i surprised that he took that step back um, because, you know, earlier the 100 Flowers thing where he was like, fuck you guys. I did not like that criticism. I thought maybe he would do that again here. Mm-hmm. So, I'm kind of surprised. I think it makes sense if you look in the context of in the context of him trying to as his main goal he wants power, right? He wants mm-hmm. to be in charge, but I think the reason that he wants that is genuinely because he wants to steer his country in the right direction. He wants yeah. to fix problems, he wants to make revolutionary change, and he does care about that. And in the face of 7,000 <laughs> Yeah, in the face of 7,000 people saying, "Hey, look, We did mess this up. This is the results of this are now obvious. Mm -hmm. He does have to kind of say, say, okay, yeah, this is different than before when it was just people complaining about us actually cleaning up a problem and being too excessive with it. Yeah. You know, because from his point of view, like there were counter revolutionaries, there were these bad forces that needed to be dealt with. And he sees the criticism as just like, yeah, I get it. I could be nicer. But that wouldn't but have gotten now it's it not done. The time. Right. Because yeah. that one, at least you had an end result of like quality or whatever. Right. And this one, your end result was very bad. <laughs> and so he has to say, shit, okay, I did mess this up. We did mess this up, but I'm in charge. I do have to like regroup. I mean, mm-hmm. we do need to do something different for now. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my charitable interpretation of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's really, or if he was just actually kind of calculating and saying like, I'll step back now, but just wait, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think it makes sense. And I think too, given that he's so about like the mass line and stuff that like, yeah, I, I think it's one thing, you know, earlier we were talking about the percent of people who got, you know, killed and stuff. And yeah, it, like we're saying, like those were in his eyes class traitors, and like fuck those guys, whatever. Like they're not, yeah, they're not. That's cool if they die for him, right. and these people are just like regular peasants dying. So yeah, yeah. And this hits him harder. Yeah, that makes sense. So Mal does step back. We, I think he hates this too. He's quickly dissatisfied with how 
the party ends up changing without him at the helm. Because these guys are more moderate. They're more kind of conservative, again, within the communist framework. (laughs) So they're like probably us or something. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, they, they roll back some of the more radical socialist parties in favor of more reformist or even kind of market-based uh, gradualist parties. Like they start, for one, they start dealing with the crisis. They, they, yeah. they import grain. They turn loose uh, as the emergency food stores to kind of help mm-hmm. as much as they can. Uh, they downsize the communes. Oh. So they this ends up just breaking up the size. Like uh, okay. you have a really big commune, you make it three small communes, whatever. You know? Okay. Because it, it ends up tripling their number, but they have more local control this way. That's probably good. It's, yeah, it sounds like that's not a bad policy. It gives peasants back small plots of land. Yeah. Uh, and they get rid of the backyard furnaces. Okay, that's a good call. Yeah. Those they, are useless. They redirect those resources to actually good furnaces and heavy industry. Okay, yeah. They get rid of Lysenko and all the bullshit science they were doing. Good, good. Uh, and... The economy starts to stabilize. Things start to improve. But Mao sees this as... Because there's other things in place, too. Like, there's a little bit of, like, business going on in, mm. in cities and stuff. And it's kind of leaning toward this more road of market socialism. Yeah. And Mao sees this as uh, threatening to bring back capitalism. Uh-oh. He calls these guys capitalist roaders. Ooh. People who are, you know, going yeah. to take us down the capitalist road. <laughs> Uh, and he sees this whole thing also as betraying his big mass mobilization thing. Yeah. This is the party stepping in and saying, we know what's best. We're going mm-hmm. to do these things scientifically and technocratically instead of like the way you guys want to do it. Because we know best. Well, I mean, they I think they were already kind of doing that with like the bullshit science. Like the peasants didn't come up with that. That was some other guy. That's true. Yeah. But I guess with the rest of it, he thinks... And the steel, too. I mean, he ordered the steel, the furnaces and shit. But now he thinks, okay, but the government's going to so closely control, like, the steel mm. production versus it being local. your local commune steel company. I mean, there's some things you really can't do locally, <laughs> man. I can't I can't make an iPhone charger yeah, locally. Yeah, you don't want an That's artisan. That's not going to work. An artisan iPhone? Yeah. That would be, <laughs> be really bad. That's just a bar of soap you carved into. <laughs> <laughs> but it's organic. Oh, okay. It's goat milk soap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, almond milk, it's vegan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't want to harm the goat. Shout out to our vegan listeners. <laughs> so, yeah. Mal hates these things. He, for one, sees it as, you know, not fully counter-revolutionary necessarily, but like not the right path. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's going to kind of roll things back and he doesn't want that. He wants the party to make sure to stay accountable to the people and he also, like, wants to be in charge. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely believe that. I also definitely believe he genuinely wanted to do good things for yeah, China. Yeah, two I, things can be true. Yeah, I don't buy into he was just a mass murderer mm-hmm. who used leadership as an excuse for that. I don't. I definitely don't buy that. I think he's genuinely trying to do, trying to do what's best, trying to do communism. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's a human, and I think he also wanted power. Yeah. Oh, did he use, because I remember episode one, we talked about how he like would use self-criticism to kind of like store info on people. Do you mm-hmm. think, did he, did he use that here? And was like, actually, these guys suck. Uh, he does kind of come back with that. Yeah. Okay. It's in, um, he, he takes some years in the political wilderness, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tries to retake center stage, but fails. 
And uh, he ends up stumbling his way back into the spotlight via the theater. What? (laughs) Sorry, what? That is to say, in February 1965, he stirs up some shit about a play called High Rui Dismissed from Office. Okay. So there's this play, right? And he gets his friend Yao Wenyuan, a literary critic (laughs) and one of his political allies, uh, to write a blistering review of this play. This is so catty. Criticizing it as an allegory attacking Mao. (gasps) Okay. So this play uh, was about the, the unfair firing of an honest civil servant by the corrupt Ming emperor. So mm, yeah, years yeah. and years ago, right? But Yao and, you know, kind of Mao told him to say this, <laughs> is, uh, that the play meant that Mao was the emperor <gasps> in this. You know, he, it's yeah, an yeah. allegory and Mao is being unfair and, you know, he's a tyrant and <gasps> fires all these people and is, is corrupt. Wow. And so Mao says, attack that play for attacking me. You yeah. Know, we shouldn't have this bullshit out there. So that's how we kind of starts his mm. like launch back into power it's very petty <laughs> isn't it it's a weird <laughs> it's very weird uh, a weird entry point but yeah. uh stuff happens and kind of takes a while backs are stabbed and in the course <laughs> of the initial chaos mal and his loyalists are able to get rid of some of their key opponents and claim that there needs to be a wider cultural revolution oh here we go i've heard about that one too he wants to get rid of anti-socialist cultural expressions like that bullshit play. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good. He wants to clean things up, stop all the, like, you know, anti-socialist bullshit that's going on. Oh, gosh. Get things back to some revolution. This is going to be bad. Well, there's some stuff I skipped over there because it's kind of palace intrigue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they end up forming the Cultural Revolution Group. Okay. Which becomes sort of the main government group for the next few years of the Cultural Revolution. Okay. So instead of like the Central Committee or like the Politburo, mm-hmm. instead of those guys being in charge, these guys like are de facto yeah. running it. It'd be like if the, de- I was going to say it'd be like if the Defense Department took over, but that's, 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 that's <laughs> what's happening. Yeah. Too late. Uh, but yeah, it'd be like if the Department of Transportation, like all. <laughs> That'd be great. Or the Senate Subcommittee on Transportation took over That'd the government weird. or something. <laughs> All trains, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So on May 16th, 1966, the Politburo had a special session where this group, this Cultural Revolution Group, they announced those representatives of the bourgeoisie who have sneaked into the party, the government, the army, and various spheres of culture are a bunch of counter-revolutionary revisionists. Once conditions are ripe, they will seize political power and turn the dictatorship of the proletariat into a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. Some of them we have already seen through. Others we have not. Some are still trusted by us and are being trained as our successors. Persons like Khrushchev, for example, who are still nestling beside us. They're really throwing down some shit. They are, and they're like... There's enemies within, you know, That's... class enemies that need to be rooted out from their secret hideouts. Damn, that is some some sneaky shit. Yeah, so they kind of announced this sort of internal war, right? Mm-hmm. Things get crazy real fast. In <laughs> Beijing, on May 25th, 1966, Professor Nie Wanzi of Peking University posts a big character poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It's a poster with big characters on it. Yeah. You mean characters like Chinese characters? Yeah. Okay. Big big like word letters. posters. Yeah. Okay. And it criticizes the university administration, tells them that they are a bunch of bourgeoisie. <laughs> They're opposing the party. <laughs> and Mal sees this and endorses it. Wow. Says, yeah, you're right. Those guys suck. Poster designers, now's your moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he endorses it. Students begin to rise up all over the place. Wow. Uh, by June, classes were canceled all over China, too. And throngs of students pour into the capital streets over the next couple of months. They're holding huge portraits of Mao and beating drums and chanting party slogans. Damn. Okay. So this worked. Yeah. Uh, he got people fired up. Uh, because, I mean, and I don't know, it seems like it's because there is this kind of popular resentment against, you know, kind of bureaucratic officials, mm-hmm. kind of people who they see as standing in the way or being too much like things used to be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Coming in and telling them what they can and can't grow and what they can and can't, you know, sell and eat and all that shit. And the crazy thing is, like, Mal's not really in power at this point. Yeah, he's just kind of doing this as a side gig. (laughs) And people still throng, you know, Uh people still swarm to the Capitol and everything. Wow. I don't know. It's impressive. And Mal's response is to take a swim. Okay. Literally. Uh, On July 16th, he goes for a swim across the Yangtze River at 72 years old, by the way. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) And he's like. It's kind of like a propaganda that he's like showing how tough he was. Like, <laughs> okay. Look at me. It's a symbolic yeah. thing. But he, everyone's like, oh shit, he he's in the Yangtze River. Yeah, it's his, it's This his guy has a flair for the dramatic, which I really appreciate and relate to. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely does. Uh, he goes to work criticizing the very party that he had built up. Mm-hmm. You know, and he... Has always had this concern, right? He doesn't yeah. want it to get out of touch. He wants it to stay to the people. And he thinks it really has strayed far and it needs to be brought to heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also, there's this uh, interesting letter that he wrote to his wife, Jiang Ching. Mm-hmm. And in it, he says, you know, I have, part of me has this aspect of the tiger. Mm-hmm. And for the Chinese, in the Chinese culture, the tiger is kind of representative of, like, authority and power and okay, yeah. that sort of thing. And he says, but I also have this aspect of me that is the monkey. Okay. What's which the monkey? is more, like, anti-authoritarian, which is Ooh, rebellious. Okay, okay. And uh, he says, you know, I think the tiger side is more dominant, but I do have that other side of me. I think that makes sense. Yeah, and so I was listening to uh, to an episode of Rev Left Radio, mm-hmm. and they were interviewing Yuan Zhang, okay. who's a at the time was a PhD candidate at Harvard, so he may have already gotten his stuff. Yeah, done, I don't know because that was a while back. But he was talking about um, that that connection mm-hmm. and kind of made this case that throughout Mao's uh, public life, he has those two threads going. Like he'll alternate between yeah. really attacking the power structure and then building up mm-hmm. building up a a sense of order a sense of authority to govern in an in a efficient and an orderly way society but yeah. then also has this like idea that people should be criticizing it and like yeah. tearing it down too i think that makes sense like i really relate to that because on the one hand I'm like, yeah, tax the fuck out of rich people and take their shit away and, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, land reform and all that stuff, redistribute. Yeah. And that requires a very strong force to enforce mm-hmm. that. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, I just want to be in a commune with my friends, <laughs> yeah. which requires Leave no me force. Alone. Yeah. But like to get to that, you do have to do some force. So I think, yeah, that's it's interesting because it's a it's a paradox. It is. It is so, uh, a contradiction. As Mal, Mal wrote a very famous treatise mm-hmm. on contradictions. Oh, okay. So he was all about that whole like it's it's dialectic, unity of opposites. Yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. Uh, but that's that's an important thread I think going on here is he's this is his kind of you know monkey moment here yeah. he's he's turning on what he has built up interesting and uh, meanwhile the students in the streets they have now mobilized into the Red Guards a Ooh. paramilitary social movement oh wow okay so Kids crazy are out. fast yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, they become radical supporters of Chairman Mao and on July twenty eighth they write him a letter okay. Calling for a rebellion to safeguard the revolution. Wow. And he writes them back saying, what? Oh, you took it too far. Please calm down. (laughs) Probably not. He's probably like, okay. He says, you have expressed your anger at and denunciation of all landlords, bourgeois, imperialists, revisionists, and their running dogs who exploit and oppress the workers, peasants, and revolutionary intellectuals and revolutionary parties and groupings. You say it is right to rebel against reactionaries. I enthusiastically support you. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. He writes them, fuck yeah. Let's yeah. do this. And uh, so he goes back to the party leadership and he says, y'all, do you see what's happening out there? <laughs> I have a red card now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uprising is crazy. We should support it. I don't know. What if we <laughs> this sounds <it>? cool. <laughs> but they're like, no, are you kidding me? They're uprising against us. We can't support them. <laughs> So on August 5th, he writes his own big character poster. (gasps) Okay. And he encourages people in it to bombard the headquarters. That's what it's titled. Wow. Okay. And attack the bourgeoisie elite. You know, attack the hidden party members that are actually reactionaries. The people who oppose him. Yeah. That's amazing. That would be... This is not at all accurate, but I'm just trying to imagine, like, um, you know... A retired politician coming back. Like, what if Barack Obama was like, I'm back, guys. <laughs> Just coming. I need you all to go attack Washington so I can come back. Yeah. Or like in 10 years, Bernie shows yeah, up out there. Like, What's up, Huge beard. <laughs> Just like, let's go. Uh, so, yeah. Now, this is a, an actual incitement to riot Jesus. situation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things are in full swing at this point. This is kind of the... Kicking off of the Cultural Revolution officially. Oh, okay. Uh, different people put it at different points, but this yeah. is where you really start everything. Everything really starts happening fast, okay. even faster. And this could be its own episode, the Cultural Revolution. I don't want to it spend too much time be. on it. <laughs> but basically, the Red Guards and the masses in general, they are turned loose to target the enemies of the revolution. Wow. Some highlights. This is where you get the idea of the cults of personality around Mal. Okay. You may have, you know, you get that this a lot familiar. in capitalist media and stuff mm-hmm. is they'll be like, everybody was obsessed with Mal and everybody has to worship him and all this stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, people did carry around <laughs> the book of quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. Uh, and they kind of like needed to know what it said or the Red Guards would give him shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was that. That's not great, but okay. No. Nah. I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah. 
Mal incited the people to destroy the four olds. Okay. Who's old? Old customs. Great. Old culture. Great. Old habits. Great. Old ideas. Cool. I mean, the culture part was a little weird, but sure, everything else, I'm down. Yeah. So, you know, it results from like, okay, it results in changing a bunch of place names, street names. Okay. For like more revolutionary shit instead of like <laughs> old emperors, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of good. That's good. Uh, but also in destroying various historical sites. See, that part I was worried about. Yeah. <laughs> old culture, right? Yeah. Uh, looting and destroying religious buildings. Oof. Uh, lots of clergy end up imprisoned. Okay. Uh, teachers also got targeted here. Why? Because uh, they were like authority figures. Oh. And so it's like... You have been upholding the old way. Do you consider yourself an authority figure? Unfortunately, yes. Like oh, actually, okay. like that, and that's like one of the shitty parts about teaching is, in some ways, you're the man. Yeah, yeah. You're telling and, people put their phone away and wear your mask and pay attention. Yeah, it's not great, but you know, yeah. they got their due <laughs> in the culture. Yes. But it, it, it gets it goes too far as is. Yeah, we've been talking about with all these things is, is people end up dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck. And there's a lot of chaos in that, in the Four Olds campaign. Uh, you have local revolutionary committees. Okay. Taking power in different places. And these are so, like, grassroots. Okay. This is, like, regular people trying to figure out how to run their place. How wow. to How to do, how to carry out the cultural revolution where they are. Uh-huh. And uh, that definitely has a lot of variety <laughs> in terms of good and bad yeah. uh, outcomes. And there become big disagreements, fights between different factions that end up so bad that the government has to send in the army uh, to stop the violence. Okay, yeah, yeah, that happens. <clears throat> By 1968, once so many people considered enemies of the revolution had been purged, Mao tried to rein in the chaos and kind of reimpose control, you know, mm, get the tiger that. back in charge. Yep. Uh, and the Red Guards uh, end up getting violently put down by the army. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks. They were his guys. They were his guys. Oh. It's Order 66. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not, they don't, they surrender in some places. Okay. But holdouts do get Still, just though, rounded your, up. Those were your road dogs. Yeah, but at this point he's had enough. He's yeah. like, no, no more. Students in the movement end up getting put out to the countryside Okay. Uh, relocated, basically, by the government. Okay, great. It's uh, not like when your dog dies or something. No, although some of them did die up <laughs> yeah. there, but it was just, uh, it was mostly, it was stated to kind of like spread their, you know, ability and technical stuff and everything okay. uh, out. But also from the immediate, like, reestablished control side point, it's like, let's make sure that they can't, you know, unite as easily because mm -hmm. they're going to be all spread out. Uh, they have to now work with the peasants instead of being in these privileged positions. Okay. So kind of a way to, to break their power. But yeah, when we mean purged, because that's, you know, what we're saying, a lot of people end up getting purged here uh -huh. in the cultural revolution. We don't mean, like, shot yeah. in the head. There's different ways to be purged. Right. <laughs> uh, for example, the guy who comes into power after Mao. Mm-hmm. The next big picture guy mm -hmm. is Deng Xiaoping. Okay. He gets purged twice before <laughs> okay. he ends up in power. So you come back. <laughs> yeah. It just means you get you, you lose you your status out. in the party. You have to go do some bullshit. And, you know, you, sometimes you do get sent to jail or mm -hmm. sent to re-education, labor camps, or what, ha what have you. 
But sometimes you just lose status. But in either, either way, you're not like necessarily killed unless they're like, yeah, we think you were a foreign spy. And then you yeah, know. yeah. But anyway, the death toll of this, because people do get killed yeah. in these mass attacks and stuff, uh, anywhere from 400,000 is kind of the minimum figure. Okay. Uh, that's bad that I'm like, that's not that bad. Uh, I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just On this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a few kind of estimates hovering around one to three million. Okay. There's a seven million, which I think is quite a bit higher. So I prefer the one to threes. Mm-hmm. And then the outlier estimated by an opponent who backed the like the next guy's Deng Xiaoping's mm-hmm. regime. Okay. Uh, so someone who was backing him and saying, "You got it. He's great because you know he didn't now do this. killed twenty million. And wow. That one I don't know how it. How they get it? Yeah, that yeah, that's so a big extreme. leap. Yeah, tons of people either way. Yeah, still, still too many people. And the economy came to a to a halt pretty much because yeah. everyone was doing this. Yeah, uh, you had uh, massive campaigns led by Mao's wife Zheng Qing to like revamp culture. To uh, ever all sorts of cultural output was like, let's just do revolutionary stuff. Okay, so it gets real like. I guess kind of censored. Kind of propaganda-y? Yes, definitely propaganda-y. Okay. And, and censored overall. You really couldn't put out anything else. Huh. You have... And that's part of that whole, like, attack anybody who's not doing... You know, who's reactionary in any way. Yeah. That's kind of shitty. So, yeah, there's all these... I don't know. What do you... I mean, that part is weird because, I mean, Mr. Massline over here is starting to censor people. Like, which one is it, bud? It's the tiger monkey situation. Well, you're right about the tiger... It's, it's definitely asserting control. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I would say maybe he thinks, you know, the peasants really see it this way. But then he's saying, I know what the peasants say. And, yeah. Know, but he's attacking, like, the playwrights as, like, kind of crypto-bourgeois. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But he's doing it for himself rather than... It's not like the Revolutionary Committee. It's not like the peasants were pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I agree with your assessment there. Then what else? <sighs> I mean, I thought it was shitty that he betrayed the Red Guard. Yeah. I didn't like that. That's strike five if you're counting. But they had gotten out of hand too, right? They had been doing the... They were the ones doing the excesses and, and killing people. Because they were for him. Because he had told them. Yeah, because he yeah. fucking said go. Bombard the headquarters. He said, let's fucking go. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So that was the Cultural Revolution. Way <laughs> so too, that was it. Way too short version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get that's... into it another episode. <laughs> All right. So it's 1968. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the Cultural Revolution. And uh, Mao has kind of called off the worst of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But historians pretty much say it goes on till his death. Okay. Uh, it just is in, I guess, lesser form. And he's not really directing it at that point. He appoints his successor. Okay. Because he's getting old by this point. Yeah. His, his chosen successor is Lin Biao. Okay. And this is, like, apparently his best bro... As far as he could trust someone to have a to be a best bro, this was it. Okay. And during this time, he's kind of doing a balancing act now. Because mm. he's kind of reasserted himself in the party, but he's also got a lot of other factions going on. Mm, okay. He's got the moderate guys, uh, Deng Xiaoping and, and people like that. He's got loyalists to him. Mm-hmm. He's got radicals that like want to keep doing more Ooh. intense cultural revolution stuff. Okay. More intense... Um, more intense also remaking of the superstructure. Like that's okay. a big thing that comes up in talking about the Cultural Revolution is that in it Mao is trying to not just say let's work on the base economy only 
and then everything else will come later. He's also trying to fight a cultural fight, right? He's trying to change directly the superstructure uh, of society mm-hmm. and kind of saying like it's almost, we've talked about this before, like it's not enough to yeah just focus on the economy. Like you got to do both. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I know last week, last week we talked about Confucianism. So he's probably fighting that and being like, no, this is too hierarchical. I mean, he was probably like, what, straight up atheist? Yes, he was. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, probably trying to push for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine they're pushing for, like, women's equality in this, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it takes some doing. That was a big point, too. Uh, mm-hmm. One of Mao's famous quotations is, women hold up half the sky. Hell, yeah. And um, it's during the Cultural Revolution, there's a play called The Red Detachment of Women. Okay. Which is all about, like, this, um, well, this women's, like, battalion in the in the civil war Uh, and it's it was made one of the eight model operas that was like Mm. you know super famous at that time and everybody was like this is the best revolutionary opera that you can you know do yeah or whatever uh so yeah i think that that took that took a big prominent role in the overall cultural revolution and it's in maoism i guess it's mao at some point talks about that you want to, you know, advance, you, you want to be advancing the productive forces, do mm-hmm. Marxism, right? You want you just want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Till you get far enough to do communism. But at some point, when the superstructure, when all those elements kind of get in your way, the cultural stuff gets in your way of making your economic things, you got to take care of that yeah. to even take care of the economy. Okay. You know, so I think that's his argument for the cultural revolution. Yeah, you have to do both at the same time is what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. On the other hand, what I do mean, they, like, actually do, you know? Yeah. All right. And so the radicals included uh, a group called the Gang of Four. Okay. Which involved uh, Zhang Qing, his wife, mm-hmm. and three other officials of varying importance. But these guys were, like, a, kind of a clique. That okay, were, cool. Uh, that they were super about, like, let's keep doing the Cultural Revolution and stuff. Wife gang. Uh, yeah. Uh, we want to be, you know, even more radical than what Mao was doing. Cool. You know? And so, but, but Mao is stuck in the middle, like trying to balance these guys <laughs> with people who just like what he was doing. They're not as left. And then people who want to roll it back and be like more moderate. Okay. I'm probably the wife gang to my spouse. <laughs> <laughs> he comes home and I'm like, why aren't you radical enough? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to make matters worse for Mao, he's, he's. Getting older, and mm. he's got to deal with all these different groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, his bro, Lin Biao, uh, maybe or maybe did not. It's not clear. Uh, but it, he, he might have or might have not plotted to assassinate <gasps> Mao. Okay. With did the, Mao find out about this? He finds out in an interesting oh, way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, so again, he may or may not have plotted to assassinate Mao with the help of the KGB from Ooh. the Soviet Union. Ooh. And it's very unclear okay. uh, what happened. Backers of Mao say that he did. And then more critical voices of Mao will say that it was made up afterward to get rid of him. Mm, okay. I'm not sure. Cause, like you, There's a source that's a like a... Former officer or liaison to maybe involved with the KGB who like claimed that this had happened. Mm, Okay. Was telling some other world leader about it. Anyway, Lin Biao gets word that he's going to be arrested soon. Shit. So he flees to Russia. Okay. Gets on a plane, 
takes off to Russia, and his plane crashes in Mongolia. Okay. Mongolia has a lot of mountains, so it is very plausible for a plane to just crash out there. Okay. But it's also, you know, very plausible to just shoot a plane. Yeah. Yeah. He dies. Okay. And that's allegedly where Mel finds out that this has all gone down. (gasps) Okay. And he's like, what the fuck, you know? And he apparently goes into, like, a depression. Oh. Because he's like, either he's like, I killed my friend. Yeah. Or my friend wanted to kill me. Yeah. That's a rough one. So either Shit. way, he was fucked up after that. Yeah. And by 1976, his health was failing. He was kind of sliding on his way out. Mm-hmm. He had multiple lung and heart ailments. Might have had Parkinson's and or Lou Gehrig's disease, oh, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Not doing well. In March, July, and September 1976, he suffered heart attacks. Jesus. Okay. The last one he never recovers from. Okay. He dies uh, on September 9th, 1976, at the age of 82. Wow. Okay. And upon his death, he uh, lie in state in the Great Hall of the People for a week Mm -hmm. as a million Chinese filed past openly weeping. Wow. It's... I would give the same assessment of that that I gave to when Stalin died. Yeah. <laughs> is that while party officials may have felt different ways, mm-hmm. I think the regular people. They probably really liked them. A lot of them, not everyone did. Yeah. Lots of people didn't. Lots of people had directly suffered in mm-hmm. different things that he had either caused like directly or accidentally. Mm-hmm. But lots of them had had their lives vastly improved, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Mixed bag. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Is, is now the time where we, we talk about our feelings? Sure. Let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> my favorite thing. So I think the main thing I want to talk about is we've been talking a lot about intentions here. Mm-hmm. And you put it really nicely earlier where you're like, I like to look at it through their eyes as if they're the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because, I mean, obviously we're not fed that narrative in the West. Like, it just doesn't fucking happen. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's interesting because it's like, we're trying to be really charitable in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I definitely feel like I don't really care much about intentions. I care more about, like, impact. Yeah. And so I think it's actually a fairly balanced way to view it of, like, I understand their intentions were this, but you still did this and you fucked up. Yeah. You know, instead of, like, straight up being like, oh, they were the best. We got to like fall all over ourselves or but for them. Or yeah, they were the worst. Mm-hmm. Their intentions were definitely bad. Yeah. They so, tried to kill all these people, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a decent metric of being like, yeah, you can want to do things well and still fuck up. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, we all, we all mess up. We all need to do some self-criticism. <laughs> yeah, I think you, yeah. Yeah. You have a good point that it does. It's it's the stupid, like, best of intentions thing. Like, who fucking cares what your intentions are? You still killed a lot of fucking people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I do think it's different. It is uh, something that should be noted. Mm-hmm. That, for example, when you're talking about, uh, when you're talking about the Great Leap Forward. Yeah. You kill a lot of people, not by saying, fuck you, you die. That was an accident. Like, you know, yeah, most, you know, <laughs> and, and some people do get killed that way, I guess. But the majority of them are not, like... Is not, I don't know, I guess I do somewhat care more about intentions. Like, people like to say, oh, Mao killed more people than Hitler. Mm-hmm. Okay. More people died 
Yeah. Uh, because he was in charge of a country for longer than Hitler was. Yeah. And it's a bigger country. It's a bigger country. Uh, and Hitler was purposefully trying <laughs> to kill people to do a thing. Yeah. Like that was his goal was killing these people rather than I tried to do this thing and I fucked up and this many people died. So I agree partially. I I think in the case of the Great Leap Forward where it was just like a famine and like mistakes were made, that one I can forgive pretty easily. I'm like, okay, yeah, you drop the ball. Like we've all fucking done that. Mm-hmm. I get it. And you step back afterwards, which I think is a huge point in his favor for the intentions game. Yeah. But the stuff like uh, the hundred flowers thing, I thought was really fucking shitty um, mm, yeah. I thought um, some of the cultural revolution stuff I didn't super like the, the betraying of the Red Guard and stuff like that. Yeah, stuff where he used the people to get power and then kind of fucked them over in a way. Okay, so that that's my issue. I yeah, think. that's a good point. I also think this is something <laughs> just stepping back from the episode a little bit that we don't have to. Our goal shouldn't be with any leader that we're looking at in history or any ideology we're looking at that we don't have to like a hundred percent be like, this is right. They did great. They're no, the I don't think so. You know? I think it's important that we show it in a more positive light than it has been, but that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man. Mao is, he's, I mean, t- really, he's down there with Hitler in terms of how much he gets kicked around. Wow. And popular. History, popular discourse about him is communism killed 30 trillion people. Yeah. Chairman Mao murdered all the people, you know? I mean, I would even be willing to forgive, like, the early stuff, you know, like the actual first kind of revolutionary stuff. It's like, yeah, I mean, I don't. War? Um, that stuff? No, I mean, like, when he first came into power and they had the land reform stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know how else you would do that. Like, I understand. And that one, at least you're using the people. Yeah, it's kind of just like an angry mob killing people, which isn't great. <laughs> yeah. But it's not him coming in and, and you know, personally murdering those people. And I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how else they would have accomplished that if they left it in the hands of the peasants. Like, again, like, these peasants aren't trained in fucking abolitionist theory. Like, they're not going to yeah. be like, you know what? Let's, uh. <laughs> and it's also a brutal time. Yeah, it's, it's different time. That's like when we were, you know, with. with Lenin and the Russian Civil War and everything, mm-hmm. brutal times, you know, what we would consider atrocities on both sides. These people had just lived through a, like a generation of war, basically. Yeah, they have done something called the warlord times. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I'd be pretty amped up at that point. How do they solve problems? It's not by like a Senate subcommittee, which it never is a Senate subcommittee, but still. <laughs> Those don't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that's why I keep coming back to like, what the fuck was the alternative I'm more forgiving of, like, the peasants doing this shit. I'm mm-hmm. more forgiving of, like, the natural disasters and, like, the straight-up mistakes. I think I, I struggle with, like, the kind of paranoia of, you don't like... like the purges. I don't like the purges. I don't like the infighting. I think that's bullshit. I think that's what we're doing now, but just, like, on a much, obviously, less less drastic scale. But, yeah, yeah it is, like, you're, you're not this enough. You're not leftist enough. You're not whatever enough. And it's like, guys, can we fuck with, just fucking focus? Like, let's agree. We need to feed people. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, we all want the same thing. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, well, I, I agree with you that, yeah, we just shouldn't do that. There's going to be disputes, but they should be handled uh handled peacefully handled peacefully when they're but among you know people on your side or people like not reactionaries i guess or not people mm-hmm. trying to destroy the whole thing overall you know they should be handled peacefully like that which 
I think it gets touchy because people will be like, oh, well, is this guy actually trying to sabotage us or does he genuinely just not agree, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, but I do like that they were decent about, it was a, with the Yunnan thing from last time aside, they were decent about waiting to start with targeting each other and, and mudslinging <laughs> and stuff till they were in power. Like we were talking yeah. about, it would be so nice to argue about, you know. Those who Marxist Leninists, those dang social Democrats from power. (laughs) Yeah, I would gladly take someone calling me like a softie or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if we were like buds in charge of things, that's different. Yeah, like yeah, you're right. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's a valid criticism of him. I mean, I I just think it's important to have a nuanced take and Mm -hmm. understand that. Like, I think he definitely, I think he straight up fucked up in some ways, and I think he was too paranoid in other ways. And the paranoid stuff is very hard for me to forgive. Cause I'm like, you didn't have to do that, man. Like you were fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> There's the just no that. need. Clearly everyone loved you. You didn't need to do that. That's the, that's the main sticking point for you. I think so. I think so. That's my biggest point of criticism, I guess for, for him is that he, yeah, self-inflicted, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't have to happen. Weakens the, movement overall like we said with the hundred flowers and the anti-ritus campaign afterward is that damn like we really could have had a way more responsive government instead of what you end up with yeah that ends up really screwing you over you know yeah and i think that goes against his whole ethos of like yeah i'm all for the people i'm like not in that one dude you fucking betrayed them and that sucks like no if you're so obsessed with self-criticism you should be able to fucking take it man yeah I mean, I was going to say, maybe he would say, I'm for the people, and so... But I have to be this people. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm not going to listen to the few who are complaining to help the many who aren't complaining, but that's the old mm. silent majority sort of argument, yeah. you know? Whatever. Really, people like me, but... <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I Oh, and the quotas, I hated those. Those were stupid. The killing quotas? Or super the arbitrary. Quotas? No, the killing ones. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the gray ones weren't great either. It turned out bad. Yeah. You can see where they were coming that from. That one could have been okay if you hadn't, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fucked it up earlier. But yeah, the killing ones just seemed really arbitrary. And yeah, I mean, I kind of, again, I'm trying to be charitable about it. Like, I get it. You probably do need to make an example of some people at this point. But like, ugh, I just hate it. All right. So what are some of the good things, though? Good things. Good things. I love the communes, you know, I love a commune. Yeah. Um, I liked the land reform. Like, that was super fucking successful. Like, literally yeah. everyone, the amount of people matched up the amount of land. Like, that'd be great. People died there, too, and were sent to prison. But we were saying earlier that... Those were landlords. <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't the important people. <laughs> Class enemies. Yeah. And uh, the country did make some big improvements. Mm-hmm. You are talking about... During his time, a 28-year increase in life expectancy. That is so much. That's like probably double. <laughs> yeah, it was almost double, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. I think it was 35 maybe when it... Oh, started. my gosh. So, a 45% increase in literacy. Okay. You know, major efforts to industrialize. I mean, they do, aside from the Great Leap Forward, which screws everything <laughs> up, they do end up uh, with a way more industrial economy after mm-hmm. that. You know, advances in healthcare, education... We already talked about land reform. like So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of like positive things. And when you also look at how Maoism is exported, Mm -hmm. how it becomes this kind of like 
anti-imperialist ideology all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think that's a positive contribution, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like how they affected the Panthers, like I'm all fucking for yeah. that. Like He did a great job. <laughs> yeah. I want to kind of read that book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess a mixed bag is where we end up. Yeah, I think it comes down to that tiger monkey thing. I really love that analogy. Because I, I, like I said, I feel very similarly of like, yeah, I'm not overly comfortable with like killing people in the streets, but I also understand we might have to do that, like in yeah. order to get to happy, nice times. Well, you won't. You'll make posters for I it. I won't. But. Yeah, I'll just be like, keep it up, guys. <laughs> keep going. Here's where the fight's happening. Take I'm going to share it online. <laughs> yeah, but but I I understand the need for it, especially in this historical context where like it's just you fucking had to. Like that it was, was a violent time. Yeah. Yeah. And different conditions in different countries. Like, Mm -hmm. it very well may be that where we are, things get to a point where... It breaks bad. It breaks bad, but it doesn't break bad in that way. Like, people don't have any sort of, like, oh, let's go fuck things up in the streets or something. I don't know. Like, it could just be different in different places. Yeah. And you can imagine, America's messed up in a lot of ways and and violent in some ways, like... In individual kind of lash out ways, mm-hmm. and yeah, resigned or chill in yeah, some other ways. Yeah, we're so ground down. It's like, oh, I have to get up. Fuck that! Like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's def. It, it, there's no predicting. I don't think. I don't think there is either. It's it's gonna get wild. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, do we want to like do our classic star rating of of Mal or? I mean, I think that'd be really hard. I, I think, you know, he got five strikes from me. So that's too many. He nearly struck out twice. Damn. <laughs> well, I could have done more for each individual purge, but I chose to just do one big strike for all the As purges. purging. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just, to, you know, that's a tendency that we could improve on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, needs to work better with others. <laughs> um. But yeah, I don't, I think I'd put him like right in the fucking middle. So I don't know if it'd be worth it to do a rating. You know, I feel like, yeah, he did some cool things, but he also did some really bad things. It's great because he does kind of do that. Even when you're, you know, criticizing him for not playing well with others, he does have a mixed record there too. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember with the Civil War, he was, you know, working with the Kuomintang who were like yeah. the nationalists, you know? Yeah. I wish he had kept some of that vibe going forward of like yeah we don't agree on everything but like fuck it let's keep going but he does kind of keep some of that because if you think about after the cultural revolution where he's balancing the different factions yeah yeah so he's always got this you know mix i i but yeah he does get recalcitrant and like Mm -hmm. so he gets a little pouty he's too nuanced for a Mm -hmm. star rating i think so unrateable too contradictory Mm -hmm. interesting dude for sure (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised he, like, stepped back after that. Um, what was that again? After the Great Leap Forward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> that was the 7,000 Cadres Conference. Yes, was yes, the meeting yes. Where they all said. I, I could have sworn there would be a trap door on that floor. I'm still shocked there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, he's burgeoned. <laughs> he's definitely burgeoned. Uh, uh, all okay. right. Uh, well, I guess we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we doing next week? I know we talked about it, but I have forgotten. Next week, we're going to be talking about different types of anarchism. Nice. Okay. And so we're going to branch out to talk about not just different types of leftist anarchism, mm-hmm. but just anarchism in general, which mm, involves some... 
Some weird ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, some real assholes. Okay, great. <laughs> that, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So we'll kind of explore different topics within different uh, categories, that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you somehow need more, this is probably going to be a long boy, but if you need more content, <laughs> you can follow us online. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism. Uh, I actually found this really great thread of like every single like US backed coup of Latin America. So oh, lovely. It was great. I've been diving through that. Yeah. Um, we are also on Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can send us an email, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. You can there send us an episode like subject request if you think you have a cool topic we haven't touched on yet. We have a running doc. I try my best to take all the messages from social and put them in there and highlight them green so we know we got to get to them. And you can also ask questions for a future Q&A episode. Yeah. Um, and you can also compliment us. Always welcome. I need it. And if you want to <laughs> do that in a way that will directly help us, I mean, that helps too, but do both. Just give me all the compliments, all the different formats. Do both. Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Even if you're not an Apple user, you can still totally do it. Mm -hmm. um, and that helps people find the show and it's like super helpful. Or you can like share on social, do all those things. That'd yes. be great. Yeah. All of the above. Base Star and student. superstructure. Yes, basic <laughs> superstructure. Um, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. For $5 a month, you get access to notes. And Grady's notes this time are huge. He showed me them, and I was like, this is too much. So <laughs> I used most of them, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked we got through them all. So, yeah, um, you'll get that and all the previous episodes, too. It's a really handy resource, actually. So check that out. Yeah. And at the end of the year, we'll be donating those to a local mutual aid fund. And I think the only thing I haven't talked about is YouTube. We're on YouTube. That's yeah, it. <laughs> we are. Um, that's it. All right. Thanks Ooh. for teaching me this. This was a lot of fucking work. So <laughs> thanks for doing that. You are welcome. Yeah. Uh, listeners, you can catch us next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.